Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to be welcoming you back to this brand new episode of the Learn to Love podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue our conversation all about habits. We're going to tie them into our emotional bank account. We'll talk about parenting a little bit more. Continue that analogy with the tree that we discussed in the last episode and also focus on what happens, what to do when things get a little bit boring in the relationship, kind of that double-edged sort of habits that we more, the more we do them, the more likely they are to stick, but also the more boring they get because they're just repetitive. All right, so let's get right into this episode. So just to summarize where we left off in the last one, we talked about habits being a sequence of neurons that fire that come from a cue, okay? So the cue makes an action. When we recognize the cue, the habit is going to cause us to do the action without thinking about it. A lot of this happens automatically. For example, when we're driving and we see a stop sign, we automatically, I hope, put our foot on the brake, okay? Cue, action. But this can be a problem if the cue And the action is negative towards another person. So a lot of the times in relationships, if you take the rule, for example, of the scapegoat in your relationship, the cue, okay, is the the, your partner, for example, like or or let's say you, like your partner notices you, and the action is just being very negative towards you, like blaming you for things that have nothing to do with you, or just treating you in a very, very foul and negative way that you don't deserve. Okay? So this is like that that branch on the tree that we talked about in the last episode. At the beginning, the tree is very small, okay? And you can just break a new branch with your fingers. It's super easy. But with time, that branch gets thicker and thicker and thicker, and you need a chainsaw, and you need a whole team of people to take down the branch. So if you see, if you see a small branch that is emerging that you don't like, that isn't good, Okay, and your partner, this could be like hitting or like, you know, screaming or throwing. You could try to clip it while it's still early. Stop the behavior while it's still early before it becomes a habit. Okay, so if your partner calls you names that you don't like, that are against your personal limits, we're going to try at the very, very beginning. Okay, say right away, this is inappropriate. I don't like it when you speak to me this way. I won't tolerate it. It's against my personal limits. And just keep, keep, keep pushing. Eventually, I hope they are going to stop. You have to be very assertive. A lot of us are scared to be assertive. We think that it's not in our our role or that we're not good enough to be assertive. But guys, you can be assertive to protect your rights in the relationship. Remember, we talked about our rights in the relationship and a, a few episodes ago, like the right to have your feelings acknowledged as real and your experiences acknowledged as real and to have your limits respected, okay? You have the right to this and you need to advocate for it or if you don't, it will just end up taking over you. That's why we talked about things like don't withdraw, okay? And that, that eight tools to deal with conflict episode a few a few episodes back, how like if you keep withdrawing, if you keep allowing your partner to talk to you a certain way and you just, you you know, you let it happen and, and you don't try to stop it, um, it's going to end up sticking. Ugh, and that sucks because when that branch is really big, it's much harder to take it down, unfortunately. Okay, but it's not the end of the world. Like, I mean, if, I mean, if, if in the case of extreme interactions, like abuse or something, then then yes, I would say, um, 
leave the relationship when it's safe to do so and seek professional help. But if it's like something that's been continuing for a while and, and you just, you don't, you know, you ha you just heard about this idea of this branch and about habits now, it's not too late to start, okay? Just with those limits, clear, consistently enforced, well advertised, and we can work to get the branch out of the way, okay? We can also bring in professional services, like we talked about that truck and the um, chainsaw that could be like going to therapy or going to um, some sort of support group. There are a lot of tools available to help people change habits that they don't enjoy, Okay, um, and a great example of this, uh, just to drive home the point that regardless of how long a habit's been going on for, there's still things that we can do to get them on the right track. Is Alcoholics Anonymous and alcohol consumption? So, an Alcoholics Anonymous it's, it's generally for people who've been using alcohol for a very long time. Some people have been using it for decades. Okay, and it's done a lot of damage to their life. But through that support group, through the therapy, through the counseling and the tools available there, even people who have been doing a very harmful habit for a long day, alcohol, can still change to make it better. The same thing is with smoking cessation. Yes, some people still smoke today, but a lot of people don't. Okay, smoking, people compare it to heroin use in terms of addictiveness. People have still stopped smoking, okay? There, there are a lot of support groups. There are different tools available out there to work on that. You can always then change a habit, okay? Like smoking, alcohol, also ways that you speak to your partner, ways that you deal with situation, and more so also ways that you deal with yourself. Like, do you talk very negative towards yourself every time that you, you do something, okay? Like, if you don't want that to continue... Uh, and it's a habit, like you're so used to just talking negative to yourself and using such negative language every time that something comes up. Well, just like people can change their alcohol habits, okay, um, you can also change that habit, the way that you speak to yourself by continuous repetition of the good thing and also by recognizing that cue that leads to the action. So I encouraged in the last episode, and I encourage you to do so here as well, to keep some sort of journal where you write about how you feel at different times of the day and what you're doing and the setting what's around you, okay? If you feel bad in a certain moment of the day or a certain setting, I want you to think about the cue, what that cue is, okay? That's causing those feelings for you. Or if you respond to your partner a certain way that you don't like, um, okay, then that is an... I, I want you to think about the cue that leads you to respond that certain way. Okay, for example, when your partner speaks to you in a certain tone of voice, do you suddenly get very defensive and very agitated or angry? That could be a soft spot for you, okay? But you need to recognize that cue, and then you can work to try to change the cue by communicating very clearly with your partner. When you do this thing, when you speak to me with this, like when, when you say this word to me, I feel very, very hurt because it reminds me of a time when somebody else said this word to me or a time in my life when something else happened, okay? It's just so important that we communicate that with our partner, okay? Communicate. We think that they understand us or, you know, we think that they know us or we know what to do. I think it's because we're scared that we feel like we always have to be perfect, but you often don't know until you ask, okay? Just ask, just communicate. If something hurts you, explain it. If it reminds you of something unrelated to your partner, it's okay. Just explain that to them, okay? Help them understand you by giving them that blueprint of who you are by asking questions, by communicating, okay? So, so important. And through repetition, the hardest thing, we talked about it, the hardest part is often always starting, but through repetition, we can build new habits that are better for us. Okay, habits about the way we speak to people, habits about the way that we see people, like judging favorably versus judging hostile, and habits about the way that we respond to certain cues, like, for example, always yelling or always cursing. Okay, that's a habit. It builds. If you let it go on and you don't say anything, it builds, it builds, it builds. Eventually, you got to deal with it. And this is why I said I, I want to bring back that tree analogy, because a lot of times, tree branches will have to be trimmed. So let's say that you have a house or like a cottage. You can think of like a cottage in the woods or something. And there's a branch from a tree growing near the cottage and you're, and you're scared that that branch is going to grow through the roof of the cottage, okay? It's going to like go through the window, go through the wall, go through the roof, okay? Tree branches are very strong. If you let them keep growing, they can like break something. 
is that I'm sure some people listening to this, I hope not, but may have sadly experienced, okay? Um, but the thing is, the reason that we have city planners which drive trucks, at least at least where I live in Ontario, that, that survey the trees around houses is to look, to be proactive to deal with these branches that could potentially grow through the roof of a house early. If they see an alignment of a branch looking like it's going to go through the roof of a house or looking like it's going to obstruct the road or something, they trim it early before it does that. We can be proactive. If we see a tendency of our partners, of our siblings, of our parents, of our coworkers, of anyone else that's really bothering us, okay? A branch, like a way of responding to the world, like in our children, that we really don't like the way our children speak, for example, in some circumstances. Before it causes a problem, we can try to stop it early by being proactive, by cutting down that branch, or in the case with us, like like going to therapy, um, talking about limits, and talking about habits and how they form and what they are, and changing the cues around them to try to change them, okay, early before they cause a lot of damage. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us aren't proactive in that sense. We just wait for the tree branch to go through the roof of the house or for some major damage to occur before we respond, okay? A lot of people often only decide to start eating healthy after their first heart attack, but we don't have to go that route, okay? We can be proactive. We can deal with this early. Now, it can be kind of challenging at the beginning because it goes against your habits that you've already set up for yourself. But I'm telling you, I really think that a little bit of challenge at the beginning is going to make it so much easier down the road. Challenge is an inevitable part of life. So many of us grow up either not expecting it or not thinking, you know, that we're supposed to have challenge and we stop doing something the moment that it gets challenging. But as we really drove home in the stages of a relationship episode is that you should expect challenge. You should expect struggle in the relationship. We had a whole stage of the relationship, which was struggle, which was finding out how to get the gas in the car, finding what works for your partner, how they want to be treated, how you want to be treated, learning how to build a dynamic together before you get to working, before you figure out what works, and then you do it, and then maintenance, understanding that people change with their circumstance, with their situation, with their time in, in life, okay? With their experiences and finding new ways to work together and, and so forth and, and maintenance. So that's, so I'll, I'll give you an analogy, like a, a story about this that I heard to, to bring about the idea of how it's often hard at the beginning, but it sets you up for really good ways afterwards. So I heard a story about professional chefs in restaurants and chefs, they have to make really good meals for their clients at the restaurant consistently every time. Clients who come to the restaurant expect the same meal Expect it to taste really good, expect it to look a certain way, and to get it reasonably fast. So how, how do chefs go about and prepare that? I heard that a lot of the best chefs prepare all of the ingredients in advance. They cut the onion first. They get the, so the ingredients they need for the sauce ready first. They get everything they need, the spices first. They portion them. Everything is done first. The portion, the cutting, they're making sure that you have everything, making sure the counters are clean, making sure all the knives are there, whatever they need, okay, before they start cooking the dish. That way, they can get the dish done properly because it's not like midway through preparing the meal. They're like, oh no, I need this spice. And then they take it off the, the burner and then it burns or, you know, the, the consistency is not right or something goes wrong. Like, have you ever tried baking? I know this happened to me before um, where you're, you're trying to bake something like a cake and then midway through the recipe, you realize, oh my goodness, I forgot this. I forgot the vanilla. I, I, I don't have baking powder. I don't have, you know, something happens and you're like, oh. But the problem is that you already, you know, you already whipped the eggs and you already took out the flour. So it's like, what are you going to do? You, you got to keep like, it, it, either you throw out all the ingredients or you, you know, you run to the store, you call someone to pick it up for you. It's like, ugh, what do I do when I don't have that ingredient? And that's the thing. It's, it takes a lot of time at the beginning, extra time at the beginning to make sure that we have what we need. So like, if I want to just go ahead and bake a cake, it takes me extra time to first check everything to make sure I have the vanilla, I have enough sugar, I have enough, you know, flour, baking powder, eggs, everything that I need to make the cake before and, and oil before I do it. But by taking everything out first, by cleaning everything nicely, 
portioning and organizing everything nicely for me, that cake is really seamless. By knowing that I already sifted the flour, that I already measured a cup or two cups of flour, however much I need, I already took out the eggs and I cooled them, I mean, sorry, and I warmed them to room temperature, I already took out the baking powder, I already cleaned everything. Making that cake is going to be really, really seamless. Now, if you're working in a professional kitchen or at a restaurant, you want it to be very seamless every time. It's going to take like an extra couple minutes maybe even 15 minutes at the beginning to portion and get everything ready, okay? But once you do that at the beginning, the actual baking process, the actual cooking process is going to be so, so much easier. And that, that's what I, what I see also with cooking. Also, we can carry that over to the way we interact with our partners and relationships. So with cooking, a lot of the times I want to make a dish and I you know, I just turn on the, you know, I heat up the pot, I put the oil in it, then I start cutting the onion, then I start cutting the garlic, and then I'm like, oh my, I don't have peppers, I don't have this ingredient, ugh, but it's already cooking, you know, because I just want to start cooking. And that's the thing, we just want to have a good relationship with our partner, we just want to get to working, we just want to have an amazing time together, but we don't do the preparatory steps to get there, and part of that is by understanding habits, by setting limits, and by creating circumstances to encourage those good habits that we want to continue. So what do I mean by this? When, what we did at the beginning when we set the cake is we got all the ingredients, we portioned them, we made sure that we had everything, we cleaned everything, we created an environment conducive to good baking. When we check we have all the ingredients, we already cut the onion, we already cut the peppers, everything's already cut and portioned before. Like, you know when you see those videos online, when people are cooking for videos online and they have all the little bowls ready with like all the spices, everything they need already, and then they just put it in the pot? That's conducive to good cooking practice. They know they're going to get the recipe that they want. They know they're going to get everything together because they already started it before they mixed the ingredients, before they turned on the stove or the oven, okay? By creating an environment that's clean with everything ready, we can have good cooking, okay? Effective cooking by creating the environment with our partners in advance, putting in that work, we can set aside a good dynamic together, and how do we create that environment, the good environment with our partners? So the first thing that we do is we really think about, again, those cues that lead to undesirable actions that we don't enjoy. So for example, like speaking to our partner in a negative tone of voice, we have to, under, we have to think about what is causing that? What's the cue that's causing that action okay, that we don't enjoy? Or feeling very negative, feeling very like resentful or angry or tense or stressed. What is the cue that's causing it? I'm going to recommend that maybe that cue is that you're not taking well enough care of yourself. That's another big theme throughout this whole, whole course, like not course, I mean like journey of learning together and this project is that you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. So if you're not exercising, guys, we talked about the stress response, how cortisol builds up in our body. Um, it, it's really helpful in times of fleeing, okay, from like an animal or fighting or something and like a time when we're in physical danger. But when our body doesn't know if a physical danger is present, it's going to, you know, it's going to release it anyway, whether it's a physical or emotional danger. And we need to get rid of that cortisol to feel good again and to stimulate endorphins, other feel-good hormones in our body to feel really good. Now, what's the biggest way to get rid of cortisol, to get rid of that stress hormone which is causing us so much tension in our body? It's through exercise. When you exercise, cortisol, stress hormone, gets degraded in your body. Our bodies are designed to exercise. Whole systems in our body, for example, our limbic system, which is kind of like our circulatory system, like for blood flow, but instead it transports things which are really good for fighting disease. Only work when we move, okay? We need to move the muscles in our legs for those muscles to squeeze the limbic system fluid up through our legs and to keep it circulating in our bodies. It's the same thing with our bones, guys. We need to stretch. We need to, to stretch to make our muscles 
loose enough so that they can support our bones properly. We need to use our bones for them to be strong. Like we have osteoblasts and osteoclasts, different kinds of cells that affect our bones. But basically, if you don't use your bones, your body's going to be like, well, I don't need this anyway. So they're going to take the calcium out of your bone and use it to keep you functioning, okay? But if you use your bones, guys, if you run, if you exercise, your body's going to say, wow, um, this is important. <laughs> let's, let's use calcium in the bone and make it stronger. How do you prevent osteoporosis, guys, when you grow up? It's exercise. It's a major, major, major thing. We need to move to feel good, to function, okay? We need to move to function. Our body only works very, very often if we move. And quite frankly, guys, this generation today is among the first generations ever ever in the history of humanity where you didn't need to move for a significant part of the day to function and to thrive before we had computers, before we had all these kinds of service-oriented jobs today that you can do through the internet, you had to move to make a living. The majority of the population was farmers, okay? You had to move. Like, everything involved using your body. Only today can you make a living by sitting and not moving the whole day and ordering food on Uber Eats or whatever you use and, you know, barely lifting a muscle, moving a muscle and having everything that you think you need to survive. But you need to also move to keep your body going. And I'm going to recommend here, again, that that cue, a huge cue, guys, cue that's making you feel resentment towards your partner to the world or to anyone else in your life is not moving enough okay not exercising how do you exercise more it's such a good question um how do you do it you make it not so you, you take away as much friction as possible by uh going to exercise so what do i mean by this guys we're going to use everything we learned about habits to build this exercise habit, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to remove friction. How do we remove friction? We're going to make it very convenient for us to go to the gym. So for example, when we drive home from work every day, we are going to drive past the gym so that it's on our way home anyway, and we're going to do some of the chores that we have to do in the evening, in the morning, like cleaning the floor, sweeping the counters, or, or other chores, or like, for example, meal prepping, like cutting the vegetables and putting them in Tupperware so that we have time before we go home to work out, okay? Next, we are going to pay our gym membership up front, pay at the beginning of the month. When you do this, it takes away friction from going. You can just walk in. You don't have to pay when you go because you already paid, okay? The next thing we're going to do is we're going to use, what's that magic word, the form habits? What's that magic word? repetition that's so important i want you to go to the gym three times a week for the beginning only go for five minutes okay only go to the gym for five minutes at the beginning walk in change to your gym clothes you know go on the treadmill for five minutes go home do it again 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 go up from five to ten to fifteen minutes why we're building the habit of going to the gym on mondays wednesdays and fridays or whatever days you pick for yourself okay we're building that habit because eventually you're going to know Monday, I go to the gym. Okay. And then you're going to start to think, well, I'm at the gym anyway, so I might as well work out a little bit longer. And you're going to start to think about yourself as the kind of person who goes to the gym on a Monday after work. Why? Because, well, you've been doing it for a long time and that's just part of who you are now. And then if you're already somebody who goes to the gym, you know, you might as well work out and then start working out, okay? And just keep, keep doing it. That habit, the more you do it, the more it's going to stick. You're also going to get a reward. Another really important part of building habits, that reward is going to come from endorphins and dopamine, really, really good neurotransmitters and hormones that are going to be released throughout your body while you're exercising. Because we need to exercise, okay? It feels so good to exercise. It may not feel good at the beginning, but eventually your body's going to thank you for it later because it's really, really good for your health. And you're going to feel less stressed too. Okay. So we, we talked about cues, recognizing the importance of cues that lead us to respond to our partners, to our friends, to our peers, or anything else in our life in a negative way. So we just... I, I think a big part of it is not exercising enough. You can also think of other cues like not giving yourself enough 
time to be with your friends. So if you're feeling very agitated because you don't have time with your friends, you need to understand, guys, what can I not give up for the relationship? Set that aside in a limit, okay? I need minimum two times a week to go with my friends and start doing it. Remember, when a plane is going down from, like when the plane's, uh, sorry, I don't want to scare you. When the air pressure in a plane goes down, okay, because cabin pressure is lost, you need to put on your mask before you can put on someone else's mask, okay? Or else you have just two people who are unconscious and struggling instead of one person who puts on their mask, stays conscious, and then can help the next person put on theirs. And if you do go unconscious, if a plane loses cabin pressure, don't panic. The pilot's going to put the plane in a dive. The air pressure is going to go up again in like less than a minute, and you will regain consciousness when it gets to a lower altitude of, say, 5,000 feet. Okay, don't worry. I hope I didn't scare you a bit. Okay. You need to take care of yourself to take care of others. So again, I think a big, big, big cue cue for your negative feelings, which are maybe, they may be so common now that they are habitual. You're just used to feeling bad or you're used to feeling resentment or you're used to feeling angry at your partner. It may, the cue may be that you're just not taking well enough care of yourself. You're not eating well enough, exercising well enough, drinking enough water, making enough time to be with your friends, to breathe. Okay. Really, really think about this. And you can recognize that again, by keeping that journal of how you feel at different times, that's going to help you recognize what makes you feel good, okay? And there are tons of apps for this too that like uh, ask you to record your mood at different times of the day. And you can notice if you feel really good one moment, like what are you doing, okay? That's, that's making you feel good then, you know? Do, do more of that if it's healthy, okay? Now, once we learn to recognize the cues that lead us to feel bad, we can change them to other things to make us feel better. For example, a cue, I think, to cause fights in a relationship often or to, to be angry at our partner is when we felt bad for like a couple days in a row. You know, when you feel tense for a few days, you feel stressed, that stress is building, and then boom, you take it out on your partner. Well, the cue was like three, four days of holding it in. Okay, so how can you get rid of that action? You can get rid of the cue. So instead of holding things in for four days in a row now, I want you to come to your partner as soon as things start to get stressful for you and just say, honey, um, can we talk? I, I just need somebody to hear me out for a little bit. And then like, sure. Okay, sure. You know, like, I'd love to support you. Remember, we talked about this in teamwork. It's not the partner's job to solve all their partner's problems. This often gets them feeling kind of stuck and like they don't know what to do. When their partner comes for them, comes to them and says, "Honey, I have this problem," they just walk away. But that's not that's not what you need, okay? You you actually just have to listen to them. That that's all they want. They don't want you to solve all their problems most of the time. They just want you to t listen to them and be on their team, take their side, make them feel like at least another person is there for them and cares about them, okay? Another cue that often leads to conflict is when we feel lonely or when we feel scared. And I think we pick this up in childhood, like when we feel scared, that's a cue to get angrier, that's a cue to withdraw, that's a cue to be stressed, that's a cue that leads to our habit of getting angry or speaking in a way that we're going to regret later or doing things that we later regret, okay? So if your cue is feeling scared, you have to ask yourself, well, what, what are things that you can do to help you feel better? So often, and Sue Johnson talks about this so much in Hold Me Tight, a huge way, and remember we talked about this a bit earlier in uh, conflict resolution, that a great way to feel relaxed is by holding, somebody holding you. The most basic ways that we calm down are the same that we use in childhood as babies, okay? Holding, rocking, and saying, you know, I'm with you, it's okay. You know, like when, when a parent, when a mom says to a baby, like, mommy's here, mommy's here, okay? We can do similar things with our partners. We can hold them. We can, instead of rocking, you can stroke their cheek, you know, gently, you know, lovingly stroke their arm or something and just say, I'm with you, I'm here. I'm here, with, like, I'm with you. We're in this together. It's going to make them feel better. And then you get rid of the cue. What's that cue, that harmful cue? Feeling lonely, feeling scared, feeling anxious, which is going to lead to that better which, which is going to get rid of the action, okay? The action of lashing out. Now, we can form positive cues with our partner too. So for example, let's say holding them is a cue for feeling loved. Ha! Huh, that's really good. So when we hug our partners, when we hold them, it's a cue that makes them feel loved 
And what's the action that they're going to do when they feel loved? They're going to try to make us happy. Like they're going to kiss us. They're going to tell us something nice. Like, I love you so much. I feel so good with you. Like, I'm, I'm so happy today. And they're going to maybe offer to give you a massage, offer, you know, like something, something like make you tea. Like when partners want to show us that they love us, and they're, they're happy with us. It's a really good thing, like a good position for us to be in, okay? So I want you to think, like, what, what are cues that makes your partner feel loved, okay? And how are you going to know this? Well, remember, 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 you often don't know until you ask. You can ask them about what works for them, okay? And then ask them, like, remember that love language conversation, um, discussing the ways that they, they share and receive love, we're going to get to know what those cues that make them feel good are through asking them, okay? And if they don't know, you know, you can just experiment. You can try different things, like bringing flowers. What does that do? Unloading the dishwasher. What does that do? Sweeping the floor. What does that do? Cleaning the counters without being asked. All this kind of stuff. What does that do? Offer, you know, making the bed after you get out of the bed, you know, what does that do? Like, just try, try, try. You're going to discover cues that make your partner feel loved and then keep doing them, okay? Because that, that is going to lead to an action that you want. Cues lead to actions. If the cue is making a harmful action, we need to think of a way where we can get rid of the cue, which was so big in smoking. What was a huge cue for people that led them to smoke? It was seeing other people smoke indoors in bars and cafes, okay? Or in movies and advertisements or seeing cigarette packs, Okay. That was the cue to want them to smoke. What was the action that governments and regulators took in many places? They just got rid of all of that, okay? Now you can't smoke indoors, you can't see cigarette packs, you can't see advertisements, you don't see it in movies. Boom. And then smoking rates, poof, dropped. And we can still see this today because states and, and regions that have the least restrictions on where smoking is allowed to be done also have the highest smoking rates, okay? When you put restrictions in place, when you get rid of cues, you get rid of actions. It's that simple, okay? Isn't that amazing? So, so far in this episode, we talked a little bit more about the cues and the actions. We talked again about that branch, the tree branch. The more you do it, the stronger the branch gets. So if it's, if it's going in the wrong direction, if it looks like it's going to take out the roof of the house or something, we need to be proactive and try to get rid of it early. Fortunately, a lot of us wait until it's too late but, and I think a big part of that is because the hardest part is always starting, starting the new habit, but also preparing and creating the environment for that habit to facilitate itself. And we talked about that with cooking. So like with the chef. So like before a chef is going to make a really nice dish, they're going to get all the ingredients out often in a restaurant and get them ready first. And the same thing with us. If we want to bake something and we want to make sure that we can do it really well, we can check we have all the ingredients first. We can clean the kitchen, we can sift the flour, we can measure everything before we start baking. By creating that environment where we have everything we need, we can make a very fluid, quick, you know, beautiful and, and stress-free cake or dish or whatever it is. We're, we're taking extra time at the beginning to make a much better process later by creating the environment to facilitate that good process. And you can do it again with your partner. So think about it. What things in your environment are negative cues that are leading you to feel to feel triggered, to feel scared, to feel anxious, to feel like you want to lash out at your partner, to leave you feeling bad? Is the cue that you're not exercising enough? Is the cue that you aren't eating well enough, aren't sleeping well enough, aren't drinking well enough, like enough water? Is the cue that you aren't spending enough time with your friends? Is the cue that you're not used to coming to your partner and sharing with them how you feel so much and you end up holding things in for a long time? Remember we talked about that analogy with the water. A water, a cup of water is as heavy as the time you hold it. The longer you hold the cup, the heavier it feels. It's the same with things that we hold inside, okay? What are those cues that are leading that neg to that negative action? Now, how are we going to change the environment? We're just going to get rid of them, okay? If the cue, as much as possible. For example, the cue is you feeling like lonely because you hold things in. Well, then try to share with your partner more. If the cue is that you're not exercising enough, try to exercise more, okay? It's always hardest starting, but once we start habits, guys, they stick without us thinking about them. It's hard to start driving. It's hard to learn how to write. 
it's hard to learn how to walk, but we do it. Okay, we do it because in the long term, it's better for us. The same way that we can build positive cues with our partner that leave them feeling more loved and remove the ones that lead to negative actions. Now, in this next part of the episode, I want to talk about the double-edged sword of habits that the more you do it, the more it sticks, but also the more boring that it gets. Oftentimes in relationships, we end up forming habits with the way that we treat our partner. And actually, guys, most of what you do in life, I'm going to propose to you here, is done out of habit. I argue that we're on autopilot for most of our life. You know, throughout the day, the time flies, you don't know where it went. Or like, you're just, you know, you're doing something and then you don't even remember how you did it, you just did it. We go on autopilot because it takes less resources to always be thinking. And the same thing is with our partner. The more we know our partner, the more time we've spent with them, we almost know how they're going to react, okay? We know, like, what's going to happen. We know, like, we, we almost just do things out of habit. You come home, you say, hi, honey, how are you? A lot of times I see, you know, with people, no matter what you say, how are you, they always say, good, you? Always, always, no matter what you tell them. Have you ever noticed this? I don't know if this is like more of a North American thing than a European thing or Asian thing, but just like, how are you? Good, you. It's a habit. It's a habit. With people, we all, we use habits just like we use them when we're driving and in other facets of our life because it takes less energy, okay? It's like being on autopilot is just cognitively straining, okay? So we, we are using them with our partner. Like we have a habit, for example, of coming home you know, kissing our partner on the cheek and then starting to prepare dinner. We have a habit of after dinner watching TV. We have a habit of brushing our teeth. We have a habit, you know, together. We have a habit of like one partner wakes up first and then gets ready and gets breakfast going for the other partner. Or you have a habit of um, kissing your children on the cheek before they go to school. If you do it every day and you do it without thinking, it is habitual, okay? Like maybe you call your partner every day at lunch and you don't even think, you just do it, okay? Habits with our partners. Now, the thing is that the more you do something, it gets boring sometimes. So like, let's say that you want to make a habit of going for a walk every day. So the first like 50 times you go for a walk, it's really nice, but then you go, you go on the route so many times that it's kind of boring. Ugh, but like, they have it so deeply ingrained that you keep doing it. Remember, we talked about how people smoked for 20 years after it was really publicly known that cigarettes were harmful. Cigarette sales continued to rise because habits stick with irrespective of our knowledge. Okay, people still keep doing things out of, out of habit. And it's problematic with our partners because let's say that you have a habit of every day, you know, you come home, you work on dinner, you have dinner together, and then you go read a bit, and then you go to sleep. And every day, it's like the same thing. Do you ever feel in your relationship, it's like the same thing, like for a decade? And then like 20 years pass, and you're like, where did the time go? Sometimes when we do things over and over again, remember those neurons, they're wiring together. We keep doing them, but we're not actually enjoying doing it, okay? And we get bored in the relationship, and we start to wonder, like, is this all there is in life? And I think that this is part of the reason why couples start to disengage with each other sometimes after many years of being in a relationship. They're so used to each other that they don't find it exciting anymore. And then they go on Instagram or other social media tools and see all these lies about the way other people are pretending to be so happy, but they're actually not. They're just pretending. Um, and doing it a lot for social validation, too. I recommend... You work on your own personal validation and they're less reliant on other people for seeing everything that you share who you are. Sorry about that little tangent. But they start to wonder, like, am I doing something wrong? Why am I, you know, why is everything so consistent? So the same for me, yet other people seem to be having so much fun and they wonder, is this all there is in life? And then the, this cue, this cue of boringness almost, of, of sameness, leads them to have an action of wanting to disengage with their partner, feeling bad or just being on edge, being angry all the time kind of thing. Like, do you ever notice when someone's just like really on edge with you for a long time and you like, you, you ask them like, you know, what's the problem? But often it has nothing to do with you. Like they say something, but like you didn't actually do anything wrong. They're just taking out other things on you. And then they start to engage with you less. Like, I think that this is a problem that sometimes happens after, after decades of marriage. It's just, 
it, things sometimes they get a little bit boring for some people. Now, for some people, not. I think for mo most people, not. They actually find it very beautiful and really enjoyable, and they love the consistency that comes with this relationship. Also, guys, people are different, right? So regardless of how same something appears to be, people are always changing. So your partner, when you ask them, how are you? How's your day? You know, what are your dreams? What, what are your needs for me? They're going to change with time also as people age. And noticing that people change is a great way to keep, also, not just recognize maintenance and continue with maintenance, but also keep the relationship exciting because you recognize people are changing, okay? But I think for some people who are like especially receptive to to liking change or liking excitement, if if they get into a habit with their partner of always eating dinner together, always having the same kinds of like, I don't know, pasta Tuesday and and Mexican food Wednesday and, you know, so-and-so or watching the same, you know, every night we watch TV together for an hour. Um, they keep watching TV, but they start to wonder like, you know, is this, is this it? <laughs> and they get bored. Okay. And then maybe they get angry at their partner. That sameness is the cue that's leading to this, this, this response, this action of, of just being dissatisfied. So what can we do in this situation? Well, I, I think that some partners actually fight because they're bored, because things are so consistent, they want to change it up. They're so bored that they want to just change something and make it new. Like they, they, they pick a fight or they like, they get angry or they do something really unpredictable with their emotions, like to make their partner feel bad or just to make some sort of emotional event, just because they don't want sameness anymore. They want something new. Okay, they just, I don't know, maybe you can relate to this. Like you just, you're just so bored. You want to just do something just because you're bored kind of thing, okay? I think children do this with their parents sometimes. If your child picks a fight with you and you have no idea why they picked it, like maybe they're just bored. It's just like something to think about, okay? I don't know if they, like I just have a feeling that they do this sometimes. But sameness, sameness, okay, we've been watching TV together every night at like, you know, 10 p.m. for like a year two years, five years, it's just what we do together, but it's boring. It's like, ugh. I'm, I'm stuck, you're stuck doing it because it's a habit, but then, you know, it starts to get boring if you do it for long enough. So what do you do? Well, the good news is, as we mentioned in the last episode, that there are more opportunities than ever today to change it up and do new things with your partner, okay? You, it used to be, you know, you wanted to do something cool. You had to call a whole bunch of people and like, you know, try to figure out what's available and look through newspapers for advertisements and pamphlets and magazines to see what's cool in your neighborhood. Today, it's as easy as going online and searching like art classes available for couples in my neighborhood or like virtual art classes too you can do online or um, starting like something off YouTube. Like, you know, you can look at couples learning... I know I used art as an example. I'm just going to use it again. But like some sort of watercolor painting technique that couples do, you can search that and then you can make a new thing, guys, a new thing you can try. Like every Monday is painting night and we watch a tutorial and we try to do painting together. That's new. That's exciting. That is changing your watching TV every night habit into something new. It's getting rid of that cue of sameness, which is making that action of resent or anger, okay? Or needing to pick a fight just out of boredom. Another thing, guys, is just search. Like, there's so many things you can do with your partner. You guys can start dance classes together. And there's so many styles of dance being offered, too. And tons of coupons and other, you know, discount services available online for people starting, interested in starting as well. You could do waltz. You could do ballroom. You could do classical. You could do, like, there's so many styles. Another thing you could do is you can join a local choir together or a local band together. Maybe your church or your community center or synagogue or mosque or whatever is organizing some sort of community event for couples to come and take a class, play an instrument, just have a choir. Like that's something new. Maybe every Wednesday can be choir night, can be band night, can be learning night when you take a course together or, or dance night, okay? Like you go to a dance class together. Another thing you can do is you can look for museums that you want to go to or experiences. Like suddenly there's so many cool museums. Like I went to a museum, I know I'm talking about art a lot, but Museum of Digital Art. It was so cool. It's like you walk around and they're, they're like the different things around you change as you move. It's like cameras are making 3D really cool animations and lights move with you as you're in this museum. It was like so cool. Like 
I, I will always remember this because I just found it so cool. But like, guys, you can go to a place like this with your partner. And the amazing thing about museums is they know that people get bored with sameness also, okay? So they change. Every couple of months, they curate new things. Why don't you get a membership at a museum and visit different galleries as they change them every couple of months? A lot of, an amazing thing is that you can get membership, not just to one museum, but like they have museum passes that give you access to a whole bunch of them together. You don't just have to do it as a tourist. You know, there's this, there's this saying that tourists often know cities better than the locals living in them. Like a tourist will come to your city for two days and in those two days, they'll see like all the most amazing sites that you would have never gone to in the 20 years that you've been living in that city. Okay, but you don't just have to be a tourist to enjoy your city. There are dozens of coffee shops in your city. Why not like every every two weeks or every week you make a time when you go with your partner and you sit for two hours and you try a nice new coffee shop, you change the setting or you try a new, like, I don't know, a drink. Like, yeah, coffee can be expensive if you pick it up every day. But if you go for talking there once a week, it's a really beautiful date idea. People try so hard at the beginning to impress their partner with all these amazing dates, but then it kind of just drops off later on, you know, but it doesn't have to, guys. You can keep making it exciting. Our cities are so enjoyable and we only live once. So why not see them while we're still young? And if, you know, and, and you can be young at any age in your life because can I tell you a secret? At any moment in your life, you're both the youngest and the wisest at the same time. You're the wisest because it, you have the most experience out of any other time in your life, but you're also the youngest that you'll be any time in the future. Okay, so if you're listening to this now and you're thinking, oh, I'm too old to go to a museum. Oh, I'm too old to go to an art gallery. Oh, I'm too old for this. Well, guys, can I tell you something? Tomorrow you're going to be even older. So if you're going to go anytime, the time to go is, is you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean right now. Like if you have a work contract or something, do you know, don't go right now, go to work. But like on the weekend, you know, or next weekend. It's amazing how little people know about their cities. It doesn't have to be boring, guys. You don't have to make a habit of just watching TV with your partner every night or just, you know, having the same mundane conversation every night at dinner. Guys, do something cool. Also, there's like millions of books available today and it's easier than ever to get them if you got some sort of subscription to like, a, you know, an ebook library. Uh, so like a lot of, I mean, my local library also, I got a subscription through my, my local library to ebooks. Guys, read together. Like, why don't you start a habit of once a month having a book club in your house where you like read together and you talk about a book with each other and how you felt about the characters in the book. Like that's, that's not sameness. And if you get bored of something, guys, change it up. That's the big thing here. You don't have to have sameness. I know that the more we do habits, the more that we stick to them, okay? Because I told you already that neurons that fire together, wire together, and the more that they go, you know, the more that they already go, by default, you're going to resort to that without thinking. But you can change that, guys. You can make new habits, like a new habit of going to a museum once a month, of getting a membership to an art gallery and going there on dates once a month, okay? Or going to a coffee shop every week or joining a dance class together every week. Or guys, like why not do karate or martial arts together? That's really cool. It's active. It's like dynamics. You're working together. Okay, also in dancing, you work together. You're moving. And it's a new skill. Like dancing is an awesome skill to learn if you go the dancing route because you can show your friends how well you dance together and you can dance at home and it's really beautiful. Or karate, it's a skill. You learn physical fitness. You learn to become strong. I mean, there are other martial arts and you also learn to protect yourself. It can help you be more, feel more confident. But that's what I'm saying is if, if you're bored because of the habits and, and the cue that's causing issues in your relationship right now is just sameness and boredom and you feel that you're picking fights with each other just because it's the same thing over and over and over again, and you know, you're know you so stuck in your habits because you feel like you've been doing them for 10 years and you don't know what else to do, then change, guys. Change the situation by going to these classes. Join an art class. Join, join a sculpting class if you don't like painting or drawing. Do tutorials online. Go dancing. Do karate. Go to other martial arts movies. Why don't you make like a time when you go to the movie theater every month? A lot of us are gonna say, "Oh, like you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't spend money. You know, I have a habit of saving." Okay, but you need to invest some into your relationship, and by going to movies, by going to coffee shops, by doing an art class together, guys, you're keeping your relationship alive. 
there's this concept in, in starting a business that you need to spend money to make money, okay? And what is investing? Investing is spending upfront, giving money upfront to get more in return later. And if you don't want to go to an art class with your partner because you just don't want to spend money, guys, this is, I mean, I don't know your financial situation, but I can say in general that it's an investment in your relationship, okay? If you get divorced, God forbid you get divorced, but if you end up getting divorced, not only is it expensive from the lawyer perspective, okay? It's also expensive that you have to sell your house. Now it's one person paying the mortgage instead of two people. Now your life savings were split in two. Guys, I read somewhere, actually I read in a couple places, that if you get divorced, it's going to add minimum on average seven years extra that you may have to work to get to the same point of financial security that you would have been before the divorce. That's why I'm saying, guys, investment. Put up money now to get more in return later. By signing up for an art class together, a dance class, martial arts class, museum membership, art gallery, coffee shop dates, anything, restaurant dates sometimes, okay? Anything, anything, anything. Guys, even like inexpensive things like borrowing a puzzle from your friends and like building the puzzle together, okay, with your family. You're investing in a stronger relationship, which is going to keep the relationship going. Sameness and boredom exist, okay? And, and they, they are cues for resentment, they are cues for anger, they are cues for dissatisfaction. Unfortunately, the longer we do habits, the more likely they are to stick. Also, the more boring they are likely to get. So that's why it's so important to change things up and talk about it with your partner, okay? If your partner really wants to do dance, try it. Like, honestly, try it. If they really want to do something that you're not, you don't want to do, try it anyway. If you really want to do something and they don't want to do it, like work on to co- work on compromising, but just be open at the beginning. Remember, the hardest thing is starting. So give your partner extra leeway at the beginning, like do what they want to do, and then once they get a little bit more comfortable, then you can start offering what what you want to do. But I'm sure that you'll find something that you want to do together. Just don't be scared. A lot of people are scared of dancing or scared of, you know, art or scared of doing something, guys. But that's just life, okay? And unfortunately, today, people are more disconnected than ever. In Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam, it's a really interesting book on basically the total degradation of social society in, in America and also like around the world. People used to go to bowling clubs together. People used to go on all these outings and events and, and clubs and meetings and, and like meeting after work for, for playing billiards or pool. Um, and going to social events with their spouse and their, you know, their, their partner, their children, and neighbors used to play together, and the, you know, children used to play in their neighbor's backyard. What he's, what, a big part of this book that he's talking about is there's been a huge degradation of, of community because today it's easier to just watch TV than to meet your neighbors. Okay, it's easier just to browse your phone than to take your partner bowling. Okay, but if you have a habit of always browsing your phone, always watching TV, always sitting in your house, and you're not taking advantage of any of these community services available for you to engage, you're going to feel bored, you're going to feel dissatisfied, and maybe you're going to take that out on your partner. Remember, it's hard to change habits if you're used to sitting at home all the time. It's a habit, but change, guys, change the the cues in the environment, such as, for example, by... If you're used to always watching TV first thing you get home, unplug your TV from the wall and hide the remote. Then your cue, seeing the remote, is going to make it harder to watch TV. You can also sign up for your dance class in advance at that specific time and put your dance shoes or, you know, your bowling shoes or whatever, um, or your, you know, your martial arts equipment or your art equipment by the front door. So as soon as you get home, you're going to take it and you're going to head out with your partner to do that instead. It's going to be hard, maybe even a little bit awkward at the beginning, but it's also hard and you may be inconvenient at the beginning to get all the tools in your kitchen out, all the, you know, sift the flour first, get all the ingredients out, clean everything first. It's annoying. You just want to make the cake. It's annoying to clean everything first and get everything out first, but it's going to make baking the cake so much easier if you just do that preparation at the beginning. Just like if you change these cues in your environment, you recognize the harmful cues that lead to these harmful actions you want to get rid of, and you set new cues like signing up for the class in advance, making a commitment to go, paying for it in advance, putting your shoes by the door, all these kinds of things. They're going to make new cues to get you to the place where you want to be, okay, to help you start doing the actions that will stick. If you just keep repeating them, they're going to stick, okay, and lead to reward in your relationship too like feeling closer with your partner, happier because you're moving more and your body's working better, more engaged with your partner, more connected, more 
even with a stronger family too, like your whole family can sign up for like a martial arts class together, or art class together, and it's investing. It's a little bit of money up front, but if it keeps you together and makes you stronger, healthier, happier, okay, that's a fantastic, fantastic investment to pursue. Now, we already mentioned this earlier, um, but I'm going to just bring it up again. In the seven principles for making marriage work, Gottman says that if you build a healthy and strong relationship, you can expect to live on average four years longer than people who aren't satisfied in their relationships. That's huge. I mean, if you're looking at it from a saving for retirement perspective, it's maybe, you may be nervous. Um, just joking. But what I mean is it's huge. It's so, so important to work on building healthy and strong relationships for our health, for our life expectancy, Study after study is showing more and more benefits of building strong and healthy relationships. Guys, we feel better. We act better. People like us more when we smile more and we keep our head up, okay? And we're healthier and we take care of ourselves and we're less stressed. When we're less stressed at home from engaging together, coming together, doing things we like, removing the cues that are leading to problems, we're going to be happier at work, okay? Everywhere else in our life. Suddenly, we're going to be more tolerable from our friends, from our coworkers, and be better able to focus, okay? So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm going to wrap it up here. The big, big focus on this episode was cues and actions, okay? So in the, in the first episode on, conf, on um, habits, we talked about the, the neuroscience, anthropology, and genetics, of how their formation. In the next episode, the second one, the one before this one here, we talked about them a little bit more. We talked about that analogy with the tree, how you have to stop them early. We applied limits there, okay, and encourage it to grow on the right path. Then in this episode, we continued the discussion. We talked about cues and we talked about how we can change our environment to get more of the good cues that we want to make the good actions that we want. We talked about how it's hard again to start at the beginning, but if you just keep doing the work and you, eventually you're going to not have to think about it and it's going to become so much easier for you and give you a lot of benefit too, okay? Make you feel happier, healthier, stronger, I hope. And we also talked about sameness and how just boringness is a cue in a lot of couples for dissatisfaction, but how we can change that by mixing it up. It's so easy to mix it up today, guys. There's so many things available. We don't just have to look at our phones. Remember what Robert Putnam said in Bowling Alone, his message that when it's easier to watch TV than to engage with your neighbors, with your community, with your family, with your partner, there's going to be a mass degradation of society and increase in loneliness, anxiety, and a whole bunch of other social problems, okay? There's an excellent opportunity now to put your phone away. I mean, if you're using it to talk to your friends, you know, talk to your partner, that's great, keep doing that. Keep video calling them, video calling them hopefully for more engagement. But it has an excellent opportunity to look for other ways to connect with your partner to start better habits and make a nicer environment with cues that are going to get you towards the good actions you want and away from the harmful ones. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you found it meaningful and you'll be able to apply it to your relationship, to your family, parenting, with your friends, coworkers, and so much more. In the next episode, we're going to talk more about feelings, specifically that feelings don't have IQ. I'm super excited to welcome you back in the next one as we continue our journey to learn how we can have stronger relationships, healthier families, and so much more benefits to our health, to our life, and just honestly to feel so much better because it's much easier when you live in a strong family, you know, a healthy relationship and a good environment. And I hope that you can use these tools here to build all that for yourself and to design your environment more conducive to your success. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to see more, check out our website, learnlove.ca, where we host our blog with lots of written articles on similar topics to the podcast. You can also check out some videos that we make there and we put some stock footage and other clips that we film um, with some professional lighting uh, and audio. I'm super excited that we, we're actually working really hard on editing our video content for you. We're going to be releasing a lot of it soon, but there is some already on our website. And check out our social media channels, Learn to Love Media on Twitter and Instagram, or Learn to Love on Facebook and Pinterest. I'm so excited 
uh, to continue the conversation there. We post a lot of quotes and pictures and other things there, so I'd love to see what you have to say, um, comments, and also be sure to send an email with your feedback on the episode on topics you want to see on the show. Contact at learnlove.ca and how you think about the show, where the show's going, how to make it better. I love your feedback. I read all the emails that are sent to us. So please contact. Um, please continue contacting us. Contact at learnlove.ca. And I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining me in this journey to build stronger and healthier relationships. And I can't wait to welcome you back in the next episode where we continue our learning all about feelings.